Good morning, you may be seated. For those that may not know, I'm Pastor Glenn. I'm, I'm the lead pastor here at Faith Tabernacle Church. It's great to have you with us. Welcome once again on this beautiful, finally, beautiful <laughs> Sunday morning. Sorry, if you've, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Animals were starting to line up two by two. I was getting worried. This beautiful morning. And uh, it, it's, it's a special morning because it's, it's Pentecost Sunday, as I said, and we're excited about that. And we also have a special guest. We have, well, it's actually Dr. Tom Jones, but Pastor Tom Jones with us from Global Awakening. And um, it's just, he's been ministering here in the city for the last week um, with the, the PAOC District Conference here in, uh, that has been doing something called MORE and just a chance to do that. And we've just, we had the opportunity to have him to come here because we're believing for more, right? We're really coming, <laughs> we are believing for more. And uh, so I'm excited to, to have him and, and I'm just going to, it's going to be way easier if you introduce yourself because I'll get it all messed up. But I just... Tom, come now, and, and I just appreciate you and, and just what you bring. So let's let's make Pastor Tom feel welcome. I really do appreciate um, Pastor Glenn and Debbie for trusting me this morning. Uh, most of my ministry has been in uh, pastoral ministry, and I was never sure for some guests, what they were going to say when they got up there. And so it always made me a little bit nervous. And there were times that I had to get up the next week and um, correct some of the things that the guy said the week before. So I'm, I'm resting assured that if I say anything I'm not supposed to say this week, don't worry about it, don't get upset about it, don't call them this week. Just give him a chance next Sunday to stand and correct what I said. So um, I'm always very comfortable with that. And I know it's a great trust that he put in, in uh, me to stand here today and celebrate Pentecost with you. Um, Charity, I want Charity to come forward. She's my assistant. We don't normally do this the first time at a place that we've been. And... Um, but she had just a quick prophetic word. Uh, again, I didn't let strangers stand in, in my pulpit and give prophetic words when I was pastoring. But again, pastor will correct anything next week that goes wrong. So she had a word, and I thought it was very appropriate. So she's just going to share it. I had a quick picture of, of a massive net in someone's hand, and I saw the Lord beginning to fill it. And I... I had the remembrance of the scripture when Jesus came upon Simon Peter and he said, take your boat out to the deep and cast in your nets. And Simon's response was, you know, I've been out toiling all night, but because of your word, I'll do it. And they brought in a, a catch that was so big that two boats began to sink and he fell at the feet of Jesus, recognizing the authority that he had. And I felt like the word for the church is don't worry about what has gone before and the labor and the toil and what the fruit has been in the past because I feel like the Lord's saying, you obey his word and watch him fill the nets. Amen. As it's already been mentioned several times, um, today is the day of, of Pentecost. And I, I loved what your, your superintendent, general superintendent, and by the way, I am... Um, 
I work for a ministry called Global Awakening. It's an international ministry, uh, traveling as an itinerant, and, and also overseeing our network of churches and ministries. We have about 456 that belong to our network, so it, it's quite a large network of churches and ministries, and it keeps me uh, quite busy, uh, as well as a, a whole staff of people. And, uh, but my background is I'm a Pentecostal pastor. I was a, a pastor in the Church of God, which has a doctrine very similar to yours. So even though I may be a strange face to you uh, and a strange voice in this house, a different voice, I, I'm not, I, my theology of ministry, my theology and doctrine is very similar to what yours is. But that's enough introduction about myself. I love what your general uh, uh, superintendent said. We, we call them general overseers. But general uh, superintendent said, he, 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 and I put it in quotes, pour out. We want him to pour out his spirit on us once again. And that's really what I'm, that's the, my heart. That I that see him pour out his spirit on churches around the world again. And then there was a, um, a phrase that was in the video this morning. Experience the power of Pentecost once again. And my desire today is that we not only celebrate the fact of Pentecost. But let it be more than a form. My, my desire is that we experience the power of Pentecost today. And not just go through the form of celebrating another uh, Christian holiday or Christian feast as, as some are celebrating uh, the, the Feast of Pentecost. I have some uh, very close friends who are in Jerusalem right now, and they're celebrating the Feast of Pentecost. And, but I want us to celebrate the power of Pentecost today. And the scripture that we're all familiar with is when the day of Pentecost came. They were all together, Acts chapter 2 and the first four verses, if you want to turn there. When the day of Pentecost came, they were together, all together in one place. And as Pastor Glenn mentioned earlier, I, I believe it's more than they were just together. I believe there was a unity of focus, there was a unity of purpose, there was a unity of prayer there. And, and in fact, in the chapter before... Um, it says they were all together praying. I can't find the verse right now. Uh, but it's in Ch Acts chapter 1. They were together and praying. And there was a unity that was there. And, and my, what my experience has been. And I've traveled all over the world. I, I've forgotten how many countries I've been. I've forgotten how many churches I've been in. But my experience is when there is a fresh outpouring, a fresh move of God, when there is revival, when there is a Pentecost, there is a unity of focus. There's a unity of purpose. There's a unity of heart. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody in the church all agrees together. It doesn't mean that you have to have 100%. My church was in revival. The church I pastored last was in revival. It was a revival church. God fell in our church and poured out his spirit. But it didn't mean that everybody, 100%, was on board. But I did see a unity of focus, a unity of purpose overall uh, come into focus as we begin to go after God. So that doesn't mean that 100% of you have to be hungry for more. It doesn't mean that 100% of you have to be hungry for more. But it does mean there is this, this heart for something else more than what you have. 
I'm not satisfied even now after doing what I'm doing, I'm doing and seeing what I've seen. And I've seen some things that still amaze me. I, I've, I've, I've been able to experience in the last 15 years things that I had no, I had no concept I had no, I, it wasn't even on my radar that I would ever get the privilege of seeing the things that I've seen in different places around the world. And it's beginning to happen again in, in, in the States. And I believe it's going to happen again in Canada. And so I, 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 I'm not saying that there has to be 100% of people on board, but I am saying there needs to be a, a, a hunger. So Pentecost well, let me finish the scripture. Suddenly a sound like a rushing mighty wind came and filled the room. What would we do right now if there was the sound of a tornado begin to come into this room? And I actually had a picture this morning. I'd, I'd never had this picture before. Uh, and the Lord speaks to me through pictures. I, 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 he'll let me see it. I was just sitting up in bed and I was praying about this morning. I knew generally what I was going to talk on. But I was just sort of getting some clarification and, and taking things from different places. Uh, because a Sunday morning is a little different than a revival service at night. And, and I had this picture of this tornado coming into the building and some jumping up and running and some falling on their face and some just celebrating. I thought, what would we do if the sound of a tornado, a rushing mighty wind came into the room? There was a, a, a little church in Soy, which is a, a, a province of Indonesia. And it was in 1965, I think it was, where there was one young man and I'll have to be careful about my stories this morning because they take a little time. But there was one young man that decided to burn all of his, he felt like the Lord spoke to him, to burn all of his witchcraft paraphernalia and his, his fetishes and all the things that had to do with spiritism. And go to church and stand before the church that was there and repent and ask everybody else to do the same. And as they were doing that, there was the sound of a tornado that swept into the room. And over the next few years, they won 9,000 people to the Lord. Revival broke out in that church, and it began to grow. In fact, the very next day, they sent out like 20-something team to the villages of Indonesia. And were beginning to see miracles. They experienced a fresh Pentecost. I, I am... I am I'm excited today about the day, but I'm really wanting us to experience the power of Pentecost. You see, I used to have a theology for miracles. I used to have a, a, a theology for healing. I had a theology for the gifts of the Spirit. But for years, I mean, I was pastoring for years, many years, and didn't see hardly any healings. If they took place, it was by accident. And now I go on trips where I see more healings take place in a day than I'd seen in 15 years during that period of time. I, I've seen more revival take place. And there is a hunger that is developing. And I actually, Charity was talking about feeling the presence of the Lord already here this morning. I, ha I have a sense I had a sense yesterday after talking to some that showed up for the module that we did. There is, 
there is a, a people here that there's a hunger building in that want to see revival that will impact their city. See, I, I think revival needs to impact more than just the church. Now, revival does impact the church, but I, I think revival ought to impact the government. I, I think our government officials ought to be impacted by revival. I think they ought to be impacted. I think the entertainment industry ought to be impacted by the presence of God. And so I think if we, if we open our hearts, and, and I'm not saying run today and jump off the cliff. See, it, I feel like if I can get us just to take a couple of steps forward to where we say, Lord, I'm open. I am open. See, I'm finding that most people are open as long as they can determine that they're not being led into deception. I, I find that most, most congregations are really open if they know it's God. And, 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 and I know that, I'm an, again, I'm a new face to you. But I believe that you're going to see more and more things begin to happen that will convince you that the Lord wants a new Pentecost to happen in you, your church, your denomination. I'm praying for it in my own denomination. Now, maybe churches in the Pentecostal Assemblies of God of Canada, maybe your churches are very alive. I love my denomination. I love my heritage. I'm a third generation Pentecostal. I love it, but many of our churches are just dead. In fact, a lot of them are dying and they're closing their doors in America, not overseas. Our, our denomination is growing very rapidly. In fact, those outside of the, of the states outnumber those who are in the states. But I, I'm, I'm, hearing, the, I'm hearing the rumblings of people who are wanting more. Not just to go back to the good old days, but at least to experience the power that existed back then. And I, I think there's a heritage that we need to step into that our forefathers left for us. I, I, I just, I believe there's, I believe there is a people here who want more. And Pentecost, by the way, was not to be a one-time experience. I read this for the uh, people who were at the module yesterday about Dwight L. Moody. Not sure if you're familiar with him, but Dwight L. Moody was a, a great man of God and, and a very effective minister. But at the end of his life, he, he, he said something like this. See how he came on the day of Pentecost. I do not think it's carnal to pray that the, another Pentecost comes. He said... I believe that Pentecost was to be a specimen day or a, an example day. He said, I believe the church has made this woeful, woeful mistake of believing that Pentecost was an experience never to be repeated again. He said, I too thought that Pentecost was a, uh, an experience that was never to be re repeated again. And then he finishes up and he said, I now believe. That if we looked at Pentecost as a specimen day and begin to pray, we would have that old-fashioned fire again here in Boston. It was one of his last sermons he preached at his spiritual birthplace of Boston. He had gone throughout his life, and at the end of his life, he had made this decision that there should be an ongoing experiences of Pentecost. 
And we should be experiencing Pentecost in our churches more than just one time. There should be the falling of fire. There should be revival in our churches. See, we are his ambassadors. We're his representatives. And out there are people who need us. Out there, there's people who are dying without knowing who Jesus is. I, I want to be someone who is helping reach those people. And one of the charges the Lord has given me as I travel is to stir up churches, not to push churches, not to make them feel uncomfortable, not to say that they have to do ministry like I do it. You don't have to do ministry like I do it. But one of the responsibilities he's challenged me with is to go out and stir up the hunger in people. And so Pentecost is not to be a one-time experience. It's to be an ongoing experience. Now, in this passage of Scripture, I didn't finish all of it. Suddenly, it sounded like a blowing violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And they, as they were filled with the Spirit, they spoke in other tongues. We are a denomination that believes in spirit speaking in tongues. I've wondered what it would be like. I, I, I really have. I've, I've, I've thought of this several times. What it would be like if we were to look beside us and see someone with fire on their head. What would we do? Other than run to get a fire extinguisher. <laughs> I, I See, there are so many stories I could tell you. Now, I have no way of validating them, but, but there are many, many witnesses of stories where that they would call the fire department. And even in our day, even in our time, where they would call the fire department, happened to one of the churches that we're familiar with, where they looked, it looked like flames coming out of the building and the fire department shows up and there is no fire. It was the fire of revival. It was the fire that had fallen during the service. Story after story after story. I, I would love to be in a service where the fire department showed up. I look forward to that. I, don't, I know I'm, I'm a little odd. I'm a little strange. But I just think it'd be fun for the firemen to run in with hoses, where's the fire? And then see them fire fall under the fire of God. You know, they, they found the fire, but it wasn't the fire they were looking for. I've had, we've had services where people, unbelievers would come in and when they walked in the door, we had one in uh, Springfield, Missouri. An unbeliever walked in, a guy backslidden from the Lord, walked in the side door. When he walked in, the presence of God was so strong, he fell on his face and gave his heart to the Lord. See, that's what I'm hungry for. I, I, it, it doesn't matter what I've seen and what I've experienced up to this point. I am still hungry for more. I really am. I, I, I want to see his presence come. I want to see his presence change lives. And I think he's looking for people, not who have it all together. I think he's looking for churches, not who have everything exact or everything. They may not even be doing everything correctly. I think he's looking for people who would just say, yes, Lord, I'm available. Use me. I think all he's looking for is a yes. In fact, I, I, 
I think it goes beyond an, a fresh wave of revival. I think it's, it moves to another awakening. I, I really believe there's supposed to be another way, awakening. We've had two great awakenings. And I think it's time for another one. We need an awakening that will affect, again, every, every uh, sphere of society, not just the church. Now, revival, revival consists of having his presence. And I might talk about that a little bit before I finish. But having his presence. Revival consists of one of the characteristics of revival is the loss coming in very regularly. And, and a sign of no revival is no people are being brought into the kingdom. And now that doesn't mean taking place inside of the church. It means it can be taking place on the outside of the church. In fact, a lot, most of it may be it should take place on the outside of the church. And you bring them in here to be discipled. And uh, to help them learn how to live life. And then uh, another aspect of revival, as far as I'm concerned, is it, it, is, it does bring a refreshing and a renewal to the church. It brings refreshing. And then the two more things about revival. I'm not, I'm not spending a lot of time developing each of these. But is that there is a, 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 a renewed operating in the spiritual gifts. All of the gifts. And, and again, we focus a lot on healing, words of knowledge, power, miracles. Which we've seen many, many of those. But I think serving, administration, all the, all the gifts. So during revival, you'll see a, a resurgence of operating in the gifts. But not only the gifts, there is also a renewed level of walking in the fruit of the Spirit. See, operating in power without the fruit can get you in a lot of trouble. Do you understand what I mean? You, because there can be an anointing. Uh, we're dealing with this right now in a situation. You can, you can operate in power and operate in anointing. And if you don't have right living if you don't have this may not be a good word but holiness if you don't have the fruit of the spirit operating in your life it can get you in a lot of trouble so and I think in the middle of true Pentecost there is a renewed interest in there's a renewed focus on living out the fruit of the spirit how many of you today are hungry for revival, hungry for a fresh move of God. You ha after Pentecost, if you look down, you're going to find uh, several groups. Well, four groups, actually. In verse 11, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. When revival takes place, there's praise. There was praise from the disciples. For me... The greatest revival of all history was Pentecost. It really is. That, that was an, an incredible revival. Within about 350 or 400 years, all of the known world was one to Jesus. There was one, uh, uh, not Pharaoh, but Nero, one ruler of, of Rome, that he decided he was going to start killing Christians again. And one of the bishops wrote him, it was, I don't know, 350, 375 A.D., I forget now. Wrote him and said, uh, go ahead and do that. But you won't have anybody left in your kingdom to rule. Because everybody has come to Jesus. Now, please, I, I want to make a short point here. Revival should not end with a generation. Revival, true revival is not 
doesn't happen for a year and it ends, or a week and it ends, or 10 years and it ends. True revival should move to generation, to generation, to generation, to generation. We should be handing the, the baton off to the next generation. The, be, be handing off the fire of God to the next generation. So that our ceiling becomes where they start. So that it becomes their floor. They don't have to start all over. And that's what has happened in previous revivals. There's revival for a, a short period of time. The church goes cold. And the next generation is to start all over again. It should begin and not stop until we've won the world to Jesus. That's what revival ought to be. I have a little bit of different take on revival. See, I believe rather than have a revival, we should be the revival. That means that we carry revival wherever we go. There was an early evangelist. I forget his name. It slips me. He said, somebody came to him and asked him, how do you have revival? He said, go in your bedroom, draw a circle with chalk on the floor, get in that circle, kneel down, and pray for revival to fall in that circle. And when revival falls in that circle, now you have revival. And so we should be saying, Lord, let revival begin with me. And we take revival wherever we go. It's not, it's not a series of meetings. Nothing wrong with meetings. Please have meetings. If churches didn't have meetings, I wouldn't have a place to go. So please have meetings. That's the selfish part of it. But revival, Pentecost, the fire is bigger than a series of meetings. When you walk out the door, you should be revival every, every day. You should be revival at church. You should be revival at work. You should be revival in your school. You should be revival in your community. And see, then revival is not about just meetings. Because revival, in fact, that, the meetings, yes, are important. But that's, to me, the lesser part of it. Is if, if we carry the fire, we're going to see others catch on fire. If you want to catch on fire, get close to a fire. I used to go out camping a lot with my children, and we would build a campfire. And uh, my son loved to play in the fire and get real close to the fire. And then I would sneak down and pull his pants leg close because he didn't feel the, that his pants were hot. And when I did like that, it just burned him, and he's jumping around yelling. Cruel, I know, child abuse. <laughs> but uh, it was fun for some reason. And, and we need to be backing up as close as we can to the fire so that we carry the fire. See, I want to be a carrier of his presence wherever I go. I want people to be influenced by his presence, not even by what I say, although what we say is important. I want to see a revival that sweeps across your nation, my nation. That influences everyone that it touches. I want to see the fire of God. I want to see the fire of Pentecost. So you had the praise from the disciples. And then verse 12. Amazed and perplexed. They ask one another. What does this mean? So you had the praise from the disciple. The wonders in tongues. Then you had those who were just amazed and perplexed. They were curious. They didn't understand it. And, and, and when revival breaks out in your church, you're going to have people who don't understand what God is doing. I was like that when I was first exposed to it. I wasn't really sure. And then in verse 13, you have some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. So you have 
the praise of the disciples, the ones who were involved. You had the amazed and perplexed, those on the outside looking in, not real sure about it. Then you had those scoffers. And every revival that's ever taken place has had those three groups. I'm going to add one more to it in just a moment. You have those who reject it. Let me just encourage you to be open to the things that you don't understand. When revival hit my church, I had to learn to be open to the things that I didn't understand. And it was a journey for me. It really was. I saw things happening that I was not sure was God. And, and there was a temptation for me to control it. I, it was just, it was a struggle for me. But I, I was so hungry that I was able to just wait on God. In fact, I, I think I, sh- I may have shared yesterday that um, one time I was seeing a bunch of stuff happen in my Sunday morning service, which always made me nervous when it happened on Sunday morning. I didn't mind it Sunday night as much as I did Sunday morning. Sunday morning was when all the visitors were there. And I'm, in fact, that morning I'm thinking, I wonder who I'm going to lose today. It was, it was pretty, pretty out there. And I said, Lord, I don't believe everything I'm seeing is of you. I just don't believe it is. And he said, you're right. Everything you see is not of me. But you be careful of pulling it up too quickly, plucking it up too quickly, because you don't always know the difference. And at that moment, I thought, you know, if God's okay with a little bit of excess, then maybe I should be as well. Now, I begin to pray for discernment. I begin to ask, Lord, now, Father, help me to understand what is you and what is not of you. And we learned. Actually, we learned it very quickly. It didn't take us a long time. Because our hearts were open. Uh, Brenda and myself, Brenda was my wife. I learned to pastor the renewal. I, I learned how to pastor revival. I learned when and how to settle it down, to correct someone. There were times it was publicly. There were times that it was privately. I, there was times I had to talk to people after the service and say, you know, that's just not, not appropriate in that, that moment. And I've actually said to people in the service, I, I don't mind God touching you, but go out in the hall and let him touch you there. I'm not trying to quench what God is doing on you, but go outside in the hall. So we learned to pastor it. The fourth, fourth little group of people in Pentecost were those who were changed. You see, Peter was changed. Men and women were changed. So the eventual effect of revival, they had how many saved that first day? 6,000, 3,000 were added to the church. And one day after Pentecost broke out. I would love to see a service. I love to see a service where the fire fall, falls and there were 3,000 people added to the body of Christ. I long to see that. I want to experience his presence. I want to experience his power. And I'm hungry for it. How many of you are hungry today? The first, the first step really is to have a hunger. Now, God does things sovereignly. In fact, when I teach on revival, I talk about the two-door two post of revival. One side of the door is the sovereignty of God, and the other is the hunger of man. And yes, God does things sovereignly, but I also think there's a hunger. And there may, I think there's people here today who are hungry. And, and many revivals, folks, broke out when there was a small group of people who were hungry, crying out to God, believing for something new to happen. 
And God honor that. You see, a tsunami wave. The Lord, the Lord spoke to me when I first went to Global Awakening. Said, prepare yourself to catch the next wave. And I got really excited because I knew there was another wave coming. And I've been expecting that wave. And I'm beginning to see it build. But a tsunami takes place very often with an unseen shift of forces under the ocean. And many times revival breaks out when we think it's the evangelist or we think it's something else. But it's unseen forces at work. It's those who've been hungry, hungering, who's had a hunger. They've been praying. And a lot of times it's gray-haired grannies who've been in the back room just calling out to God, Lord, pour out your spirit again. And they are the ones that are responsible. It's not the person on the stage. It's not the name it is those people. They are the unseen force of revival. I think when we get to heaven, we're going, we're going to see people getting rewards that we had no idea they were responsible for what took place during the revival. I'm hoping, and in fact, this morning when I was thinking this whole thing through, I felt like there was a people here. There was a group of pe- people here that have been really hungry that you're wanting more. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I, I really hope that you get more than the words that I'm saying. You get the heart behind it. I love the church. There is a movement out there now against the church. They want to see organized church done away with. I am not in that camp. I love the church. I love the body of Christ. And I have a heart to see churches on fire. I have a heart to see churches grow. I think this church is poised for growth, for the nets to be full. I try to talk charity into giving words to churches. And most of the time she turns me down because she doesn't have one. So when she volunteered this morning, she said, I, I have a word for the church. She said, I don't have to give it. I can give it to the pastor afterward. I said, no, I think you need to give it to the church. I think you're poised for a fresh outpouring of the Lord. Would you stand? How many of you, I mean, and just search your own heart. I know that um, many times we have plans. We have other things that we need to go do and. I totally understand. Again, I was in pastoral ministry for over 30 years. I remember us trying to run out so we could beat the Baptist down to the restaurant. We didn't have many restaurants around and we, everybody was trying to get out the door fast and get to the restaurant. But uh, I'm just going to give us a moment here. To search our hearts. God responds to hunger. And how hungry are we? Again, I'm not leaving out the sovereignty of God. But um, often, he responds in measure to our hunger. I've never been physically hungry before, but I've seen starving people. I was a part of uh, a number of years ago helping put together with Heidi Baker, if you know who she is. And we were working with another ministry. They were going to do a crusade in Malawi during the famine, and I was helping 
lead putting together the food and would travel back and forth to Malawi. I was still pastoring at the time. And we put together 30,000 bags of beans and corn to give out to people in a refugee camp. And I realized as we're giving out food, we're getting down to the end and there's not enough. And the people begin to get upset. I, I'd make a decision. We've got to get out of here before this gets ugly. Got everybody on the bus, threw what was left in the truck. And as we're driving away, they begin to throw rocks at the bus. They set the fields on fire. They broke out glass in the bus, a couple of the windows of the bus, and had a girl that got cut. We had to take to the hospital. And the people were just saying, why would they do that? All we wanted to do was feed them. And we explained, they are starving. They will do anything they can to just get a mouthful of food. Their families are dying. I thought, that's what real hunger is. How hungry am I? How desperate am I? And if I'm not hungry, am I willing for the Lord to make me hungry? I'm going to give you, I I just want you to close your eyes just for a moment. I want to pray a prayer. And then if you're hungry and, um, or you want to be hungry, maybe you're not hungry. And it may be two people here. It may be 10. I don't know. I just want to give you a chance to come down. I'm going to pray over you. But let me pray over everyone right now. Father, I thank you for this family. I thank you for this fellowship. I thank you, Lord, for your presence here today. I thank you for the leadership, Lord, that has a hunger for more. And so, Lord, I bless everyone that is here. And just ask, I ask, Lord, touch them. Stir up a desire for a fresh Pentecost, Lord. That we're just not celebrating Pentecost of Acts chapter 2, but we're celebrating the new Pentecost, Lord. The Pentecost that's taking place presently. And so if you, if you feel a hunger and you want the Lord to do something, you're wanting more. Uh, we're not going, to, not going to do this very long. I'm not going to push you down or anything. I'm probably not going to go lay hands on anybody. Uh, but I want you to just come down very quickly. Very quickly. Everybody can get up. Remember, Pentecost started with 120. Now it grew to 3,000 very quickly. All right, those of you who are down, just put your hands out like this. Lord, I bless every person that has come forward. Father, I thank you for their hunger and their desire for more. I see you touching people right now, Lord. I see you all over her. Lord, I bless your presence. Now breathe on her, Lord. Breathe on her. More. Fill her up, Lord. Fill her up. Fill her up. Fill her up, Lord. In Jesus' name, more. More. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I bless what you're doing. I see you touching people. I see your presence on them now, Lord. More, Lord. More. Father, I pray, respond to their hunger. 
And Lord, I'm asking for a fresh outpouring of this church. You've, you've spoken to my heart. There are going to be places all over the world where the fire begins to burn. Let this be one. Let this be one. Lord, I see you touching people that are standing back in the congregation right now, Lord. More. Touch her, Lord. Touch her. Touch her. Touch her. Touch her. Touch her, Lord. More. More. Whoa. More, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Activate your gifts, Lord. Release your power. Release your anointing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Stay hungry for Him. Let me just encourage you, all of you, stay hungry for Him. And, and, and if, if you're in a dry season, just say, Lord, touch me. I don't want to be dry. Lord, I pray, one last prayer, that this will be a place that says yes what you're wanting to do in these this time in these days Lord that they will say yes and Lord I pray that there will be a visitation from heaven they will become known as a place of your presence a place where people go and they're healed of their diseases let them become known as a place that if you have a dying family member we will you that that's the church you want to take them to that people are getting healed there and in my church, people get healed during the worship. We've got an incredible worship team. People would get healed in the worship without anybody praying for them. They would just get healed. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. More. As the worship team takes over at this point, if, uh, the, the, the people who usually pray at the end, if you want to come forward. And if you have any need this morning, um, and you want to come up to one of the, the leaders and receive prayer, it doesn't have to be for what I'm talking about. You can have a family need, a financial need, you can have a physical problem. Whatever your need is, let them pray for you. Bless you guys.